Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos, Erev Rosh Chodesh. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program.
again to sing your song. We sing come the seventh day, the seventh day of every week. Each of is our day of rest for the one above. We look our best, sing a song of praise. Shabbos we shall keep. Is Let's go. 
against the shore and the question still comes back to me how could this occur I look above to
Friday morning broadcast here at the uh, Nahum Siegel Network studios in New York City. Boy, oh boy, you think we did enough Arya Kunstler this hour? <laughs> we are building up to what's going to be an amazing performance tomorrow night at the Courtside Grill and what is going to translate into an incredible kosher halftime show on Super Bowl Sunday, the day that Atlanta and Boston square off. We're going to have an amazing centerpiece to that day, and that is the Kosher Halftime Show that's going to be presented uh, courtesy of us, the Nahum Single Network, really all around the world, because once we post it, it's just going to go viral. It's just going to go everywhere, and people are going to start sharing it. Anyway, uh, in tribute to Aryeh Kunstler and his uh, upcoming uh, presentation uh, tomorrow night at Courtside Grill on Central Avenue in Cedarhurst, um, we really dominated this hour with his incredible music. Hashem Safasai was him. Mikolos was him. Micha Mocha was him. There are rumors about Micha Mocha making, making it into the set list for the Kosher Halftime Show, by the way. You heard Ari Goldwagon there with Rock Who. Uh, you heard um, David Gabe, Hakola Tova. Mizmor Shear was Aryeh Kunstler. Simcha Liner had Kanfei Nesharim off of Liner Live in Odessa. Holy Fire, that was from Omek Hadavar. Baruch Levine's Bowie, Tzor Mishalo from Regesh, Yom Shabbasan done by Eitan Katz, and Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to an Erev Shabbos. Welcome to an Erev Rosh Chodesh here at JM in the AM. On this Friday, January the 27th, day 29 in the month of Teves, the year 5777, Tavshin Ayin Zion. It's Erev Rosh Chodesh Shvat, everybody. Rosh Chodesh Shvat is tonight. That's right. Don't forget Yalav Yavo tonight at Mariv. Rosh Chodesh Shvat is tonight. Uh, and Rosh Chodesh is a uh, one day. Shabbos. It's Arab Shabbos Parshas Va'era. Candlelighting New York area. 447 we're calling it. We're calling it for 447 candlelighting time officially on this Arab Shabbos in the uh, New York, New Jersey area. 41 degrees here with 56% humidity. Winds west at 14. A lot of, a lot of blustery weather over the next couple of days. Mostly cloudy today, a high 45. Tonight, partly cloudy, low 33. Uh, tomorrow for Shabbos, mostly sunny, a high 43 degrees. Yushalayim's at 46. We're at 41 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Uh, well, we've got uh, a couple of things going on today. We will announce the winner at about 7.20 this morning of the uh, Name That Burger contest. we got a lot of great entries. I want to thank everybody who participated. Uh, we'll announce the winner at about 7.20 this morning. They'll win a uh, Quartzside Grill gift certificate uh, for the bur this special burger that's been created by Chef Albert Bijou uh, for us for tomorrow night for the Kosher Halftime Show. So we'll have that for you coming up here at JMDM. Malcolm Holine, he'll join us. He is, of course, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us 
coming up here at JM in the AM with the weekly update. Uh, Rabbi Yudin, of course, with the Torah portion, Va'era, Rosh Chodesh, and, um, and I'm trying to think, uh, yeah, we'll wrap things up at 9 o'clock with JM and the AM before we move on to our Friday programming, including the amazing Erev Shabbos music mix presented by Kedem, live lunch with Mark Zamek at 12 noon presented by Kedem, a lot happening on a Friday. <clears throat> by the way, many, many distinguished honorees at the Ben Zakai Honor Society NCSY National Scholarship Dinner. It's happening this coming Sunday night uh, at Lincoln Square Synagogue on Amsterdam Avenue in New York City. And among the honorees are amazing friend Joey Bodner. Uh, so I take this opportunity to wish Joey Bodner and the entire Bodner family a very special mazel tov. And all the honorees uh, at the um, Ben Zakai Honor Society NCSY National Scholarship Dinner a very special mazel tov for this coming Sunday night's event. Uh, Joey has been uh, incredible and instrumental, not just in the work of NCSY, but so many incredible organizations in our community. So I take this opportunity to wish him a very, very big mazel tov, and to Ruthie, and to um, uh, David and Neil, a uh, very, very special mazel tov to the Bodner family from all of us here at JM in the AM. A well-deserved Honor to say the least. What do we got here? Six minutes before 7 o'clock. We'll do our news at the top of the hour. We'll do a little bit of a Mizrahi update coming up after 7 a.m. Uh, for the big trip that's happening um, uh, happening Yom Yerushalayim. Uh, you know about that, Yom Yerushalayim. 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. We get the opportunity to be there and uh, participate in what's going to be an amazing and incredible celebration all week long. The week of May 22nd, we'll have details on that coming up. And plenty more, of course, aside from that, if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
Gershon Veroba, Ani Israel, big song off of the big album that, um, how long ago was that? Four weeks ago last night that we did the uh, release uh, celebration at uh, the Doghouse in Teaneck? Boy, I'll tell you. Time really flies, to say the least. Um, I want to thank the Jewish Star. Uh, they are among the people who have been uh, instrumental in getting the word out about the uh, Kosher Halftime Show being filmed tomorrow night. I want to thank Great Kosher Restaurant Foodies and Elon Kornblum. He's been getting the word out. I want to thank our sponsors, including our friends at American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center, including our friends in Nefesh Ben Nefesh, including our friends in uh, in the Five Towns. Uh, Gotta get a bagel. I want to thank Courtside Grill, of course. I highly recommend anybody who's coming tomorrow night. We're going to start at 9 o'clock. I highly recommend you get there much earlier. Based on our experience last year, I can't imagine anybody getting a table there and anybody moving before that program starts at 9 p.m. So, so if you want to get there uh, early, it's a I think a good recommendation to say the least. 41 degrees, mostly cloudy, a high 45. Erev Shabbos, Erev Rosh Chodesh. That's right, tonight's Rosh Chodesh Shvat. I don't know what we're doing with Tubish Shvat. Mayor Weingarten asked me the other day, we got to come up with a final decision. Tubish Shvat's going to be on a Shabbos. Uh, two weeks from now, we've got to figure out what to do regarding a Tuba Shvat special. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, NachumSiegel.com, the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, in our beloved NSN app, as you would suspect. I want to thank those who are commenting on our app. Always fun to see what people are saying from around the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you for checking in on the app. A lot of people talking about the Kosher Halftime Show references on the app. Well, we'll do a little Mizrahi update, and then we'll announce the winner of the Name That Burger contest coming up here at the JM. There's a winner. There is a winner of the Name That Burger contest. It's a burger that's it's got knockwurst in it. It's got parv cheddar cheese in it. It's got um, beef bacon in it. What else is in that burger? There's an egg in it, ground beef, of course, uh, onion jam, maple. What was it called? Maple. I'm trying to see my notes here. I jotted down some of the things. Uh, what was it called? Forgot. I have to look it up. I have to look it up on one of the posts and see exactly what the uh, ingredients are in the burger. Anyway, the winner of Name That Burger will be announced coming up uh, at about 7.20 this morning here at JM in the AM. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Bokito from JM in the AM. על השעה שתיים, כאן רן יבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. בתום שלוש שעות הסתיימה חקירתו של ראש הממשלה נתניהו בפרשת תיק אלף ותיק אלפיים. כתבתנו עדה שטייף מציינת כי זו הפעם השלישית שבה ראש הממשלה נחקר במסגרת הפרשה ומקביל לחקירתם ולמסירת עדויות של אנשים נוספים בשבועיים האחרונים, בהם גם מול ידיעות אחרונות נוני מוזס, שזומן שש פעמים למשרדי יחידת לב 433. זמן קצר אחרי תום חקירתו, שלח נתניהו איגרת ברכה לפעילי הליכוד שהגיעו להשתתף בליכודיאדה באילת, כתבנו מיכאל שמש. במכתב ששלחו ראש הממשלה ורעייתו למשתתפי הליכודיאדה, כתב נתניהו, אתם כמו רוב הציבור בישראל לא קונים את המתקפה נגדי, אני מרגיש את עומק התמיכה בי בכל מקום שאליו אני מגיע. אנו יכולים להיות גאים בכך שתנועת הליכוד מגבה לאורך השנים את מנהיגיה וניצבת מאחוריהם, כך ראש הממשלה. בינתיים פרצה מהומה בכנס באילת, תמר נזרי, תושבת עמונה, ביקשה לשאת דברים ומחתה על הפינוי הצפוי, ואז הורדה מהבמה. אני מדליקה משואה זו לכבוד הממשלה הכי ימנית ביותר שהייתה למדינת ישראל, שהולכת להרוס לי את הבית עוד שבוע, ולהשאיר אותי בלי כלום. 
יום השואה הבינלאומי סערה בצ'כיה בעקבות השקת חדר בריחה, אסקייפום, המדמה תאי גזים באושוויץ, כתבנו נתן אלדרשן. חברה צ'כית פתחה במסע פרסום לכבוד פתיחת חדר הבריחה ברוח מחנה ההשמדה אושוויץ, והודיעה כי ניתן יהיה לקנות כרטיסים בהנחה עד היום, ה-27 בינואר, יום השואה הבינלאומי. בתגובה לביקורת החריפה שנמתחה על מסע הפרסום, הודיעה החברה על ביטול המיזם, והוציאה הודעת הבהרה, לפיה כל רצונה היה לעורר מודעות לנוראות השואה. אורח מעצרו של תושב דימונה בן 27 ימים לאחר שנתפס, כשהוא מנסה להטמין מטען חבלה בפח אשפה סמוך לביתו, במטרה לעשות בו שימוש נגד יריבים. כתבנו רמי שני מציין כי תפיסתו התאפשרה בזכות מעקבים של חוקרי משטרה אחריו במהלך הימים האחרונים. מזג האוויר, גשם ברחבי הארץ, שילובי בסופות רעמים וברקים, הערב צפוי גם שלג בערי הצפון והמרכז. שפי מור, מנכ"ל תיירות מרום גולן, סיפר לגל"צ על ההיערכות לקראת השלג. אנחנו בקיבוץ מרום גולן נערכים לאירוע השלג הנוסף השנה. מפלסות מוכנות, מלח ככל שיידרש לפזר, וענייני המזון, חימום, הכל מתודלק ומוכן. לגמרי... ערוכים ומוכנים, מתרגשים כמו תמיד. מחר יחלש הגשם ויקר מהרגיל בעונה. כתבנו גיא ורון מוסיף כי אתר החרמון יהיה סגור למבקרים היום ומחר בשל תנאי מזג האוויר. וברשות המים ממליצים לתושבים באזורים הקרים להשאיר ברזים דולפים למניעת כפיית המים בצנרת. אלה החדשות שעורכת רון רוזנבוים על הביצוע הטכני, אסף אזולאי. והאיקר שיחליט לעבוד במרץ ובתוכן חוזר. Hello, Kenu, there's a better help than 
Move your muscles. Hustle, you got to hustle, hustle. You got to hustle, hustle, hustle. Move your muscles. Badass beats are going. J.M. in the A.M. with Benny Friedman. Comes from the album Fill the World with Light here at JM and the AM. Well, as many of you know, the uh, Mizrahi World Movement has uh, dedicated themselves during the year 5777 to make sure that World Jury uh, comes to Israel and converges on Jerusalem the week of May 22nd of 2017. Why? Because it's the 50th anniversary of a reunited Jerusalem. 50 years since the Six-Day War, 50 years since that incredible day and uh, amazing week. And it'll be an amazing week this year as well as we uh, celebrate 50 years. We'll be there, of course, broadcasting from Israel, from Jerusalem. Uh, the Mizrahi World Movement is making, rightfully so, a massive big deal about this. And uh, to me, it seems that this is resonating with a lot of people. Um, and one of the people who's involved with the project and is speaking to us today from uh, where he normally is, that's up in Toronto, Canada, Rabbi Ilan Mazur. Rabbi Ilan Mazur is National Director of Mizrahi Canada, speaking to us from Toronto this morning here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Mazur, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachman. How are you doing? Baruch Hashem. Nice to speak with you. I, I hope you're getting the same feeling north of the border that I'm getting in this area of the world. You know, there are a lot of trips to Israel, a lot, <laughs> and there are a lot of missions, and there are a lot of different journeys that people can take, do take, plan on taking, publicize to take, etc., etc., etc. But for some reason, this one seems to really have struck a nerve. This one is resonating with so many people that I meet who know at this point that they badly want to be there that week. Now they just have to make it happen. Are you getting that feeling north of the border? This is resonating with many people in the community? This is the place to be. Everyone wants to be there. March 22nd, no one, May 22nd, no one wants to be anywhere else. It's really, this mission is, as you said, not like anything else. It's a paradigm shift. It's not, it's not just go to Israel, enjoy yourself, amazing vacation, maybe in But for everybody, the Six-Day War changed the way we look at Torah, the, look we, the way we look at our relationship with Hashem, the way we look at life. It's really, and everybody wants to be there in order to celebrate in this really big way. And I think that anyone who's there will just leave inspired, rejuvenated, re-energized, and bring it all back to our communities back here in Canada and across the world. Oh, you're, you are 100% right. Those representatives, and I hope it's in the thousands from outside of Israel, that will be representing diaspora jury there that week, will in fact come back to communities around the world and completely re-energize and reinvigorate people vis-a-vis uh, -vis Israel and Jerusalem. There's no question about that. And I have this... Um, and we'll get to the details of the trip in a moment, but but I have this this concept that I've been speaking about on the air for years. Every time there's some type of uh, of real need to have a group of uh, people from diaspora in Israel, uh, that I think we need to implement. And um, I'm sure knowing Mizrahi, they've already encouraged groups to do so. 
And that is if, if, if large groups are not possible, if there are different places uh, around Canada that don't have the capability of sending large groups of people, send representatives. Let every shul and organization and men's club and sisterhood and family at least have representatives in Jerusalem during that week. I w- and then they can come back, and boy, the impact they can make when everybody meets and greets them uh, after they've returned uh, from this amazing trip, that could be unbelievable. And that's exactly our approach. Our approach is to try and get, there are certain communities that want to send full missions, uh, part of the Mizrahi mission, and, and that's very much encouraged and can be incredible bringing the masses out. But our number one goal is to get representatives from every part of the community, as many, many different communities as possible, as many different uh, organizations as possible, and to come back, as we've been saying, rejuvenated. I think that when we come to these parshiot in, in, in Shmot, we kind of we look at them as um, bombastic, huge miracles, and it's really an amazing thing to read about. But at the end of the day, sometimes, with, especially with students, and even students from Torah for many, many, many years, they come to the point where it's just kind of, you know, a story. Right. It's not as tangible as in real. Right. And when you start looking at Torah as something that actually is happening, when you look at biblical proportion-type miracles that happened in, in our lives, and, and something that you can see and connect to and speak to soldiers who were actually there, there's nothing like it. And it changes everything about the way that we see our lives as Jews. It becomes from something that is a memory and a commemoration of to something that is a now and a creation of. And I think that that's something that will totally inspire anybody who comes on the trip. And the more people from the more places and the more communities that we can get out, the representatives, they can bring that back. And it can really, really change the face of the community. Rabbi Elon Mazur's with us, National Director of Mizrahi Canada. You know, I've I, I've had the privilege, the 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 amazing privilege of being in Israel. You know, relatively speaking, many times, and I I am looking at this trip so differently. I am looking at this trip with so much anticipation coming up, with, with so much uh, uh, j- just anticipating the the type of spirit and feeling that we're going to have being there. And I can only imagine those who have never been to Israel, and you'd be shocked. Well, maybe you wouldn't be, but I, I'm never, uh, it, 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 it's never lost on me how many people in our community, including the Orthodox community, have never been to Israel, have never even taken that first trip. Could you imagine, Rabbi Mazur, if this would be the first experience for somebody in the Holy Land? It would, it would just blow them away. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to go back to another way. <laughs> so I can tell you, personally... Even for me, as you said, I'm extremely excited. This is going to be the most incredible trip. And I lived in the old city of Jerusalem for 10 years with my family. Wow. So the old city of Jerusalem for me is it's home. It's, I'm in love with the place. I'm in love with the country. And, in, and I'm in love with the city. And I, I, I tell my, my students here all the time, I tell in, in Shurim all the time, I say that I was able to watch my kids live in the Vua of Zechariah. Literally, every day when we went outside, they were playing in the streets, and as you know, in Jerusalem, they have a square where all the children of Jerusalem play, and there's a, a sign on the side of the wall that has the apostle from Zechariah, or Yeshvuz, Genim, Skenot, that the elderly will sit and watch their children play in Jerusalem one day, and then the vua that Zechariah had, I was sitting there with my kids, and everyone goes out and plays with their kids in the park. But not everyone is able to play with the kids in the park, and Mekayim and Nevua from Zechariah. And I think that that's, that's just... It inspires, as I said, real Judaism. And I think that that's, that's why when you go there and you have this experience, it can resonate for a lifetime and it can change not just individuals but communities as well. 
Oh. So if you're the first time there, I don't know. I don't know how they'd be able to handle it. it I definitely would recommend it. It would really be remarkable. I um, I wonder. Uh, you know, here in in, in these parts, uh, I think it's obvious to everybody. There's certain communities that are really, you know, leaning toward this type of mission, and the Mizrahi movement is very active in certain pockets of the communities of New York and New Jersey. Is it the same in Canada? Do you have a, a nice presence nationwide, but there's certain areas that are just, you know, have really stepped it up in terms of keeping religious Zionism at the forefront? So we definitely have a very, very strong religious Zionist community here in Toronto as well as in Montreal. It's, it's, there, it's, we have a very strong uh, B'nai Akiva schools, which is we, we have over 250 students, which uh, really creates a, a strong presence of religious Zionism in its purest form here in Toronto, as well as uh, schools in Montreal, Toronto. And so what, what, um, what, what ends up happening is that you do have this core, and it's, it, it is a presence. It's a presence that people know about, that people are aware of. Religious Zionism is alive and kicking in Canada. There are many parts of Canada, though, that the presence is not as felt, and hopefully this trip will be able to change that around. Yeah, that's true, by the way. We really have an opportunity to not just uh, change people's lives for a week, but change people and communities' lives for uh, for a very, very long time. All right, everybody out there, you, you've heard Rabbi Mazur. You've heard many representatives on the air. You've heard me speak about it. Join us in Jerusalem, May 24th. It's the week of May 22nd. The 24th is, in fact, Yom Yerushalayim. There are many highlights, a lot of great gatherings, concerts, live broadcasts. It's going to be... Not just uh, a, an incredibly fun experience, but an amazing spiritual experience as well. And as we discuss this more and more, it seems that more and more people express interest of just being there that week. Here's the way to do it. Go to Mizrahi.org slash YY50, YY for Yom Yerushalayim, Mizrahi.org slash YY50, Mizrahi.org slash YY50. Rabbi Mazur, I look forward to greeting you in the Holy City, Bezrat Hashem, in the month of amen, May. Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great morning. Rabbi Elon Mazur, National Director, Mizrahi Canada. Mizrahi.org slash YY50. How on earth could you possibly stay away? That's what I'd like to know. It's just, I'm telling you, it's going to be an amazing and incredible journey to be in Jerusalem for the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. Erev Rosh Chodesh Shvat, Erev Shabbos Parshas Va'era, candle lighting in these parts at 447. Uh, well, the announcer, the, uh, the announcement rather, the announcement. Of the Name That Burger Contest winner, next at JM in the AM. Yeah, 
Friday morning, it's JM in the AM. It's Igdadya off of sheer volume number two with that incredible boy, Vishalom. Well, it's time. It is time to announce the winner. Oh, I forgot to bring it up. Let me bring it up for a second. I, um, it's time to announce the winner of the, of the uh, Nahum Single Network Quartzside Grill Name That Burger contest. It's a tradition we began and uh, really enjoyed last year. And um, we asked Chef Albert Bijou at the Courtside Grill. We said, hey, Chef, you know that uh, Aryeh Kunstler and the Evan All Orchestra are going to be in your establishment Saturday night with us as we record the Kosher Halftime Show. Um, would you be able to create a burger special for that night that people could order and enjoy, but something really unique and out of the ordinary? And then what we do is, once the chef goes ahead and uh, creates the burger, we go ahead and we uh, name the burger. Yeah, that's what we do. We name the burger. So I'm, uh, I'm going to read to you the ingredients, the different items that are in the burger that Chef Albert Bijou created. And then uh, yesterday during the live lunch, we actually went through the majority of the names that were submitted, the, the guesses and 
entries that were submitted um, during the live lunch. We did that with uh, Miriam L. Wallach and um, and uh, Jamie Turkel and Yoni Pollock and the four of uh, and Avrami. Avrami was here as well, and uh, the five of us uh, basically bounced all these uh, different names around, and eventually off the air. Uh, we came up with a winner, and we're about to announce that winner now. So Chef Albert Bijou at Courtside Grill has created a burger special for us for the Kosher Halftime Show 2017. Uh, here it is. The burger has ground beef, an egg cooked inside with cheddar cheese, parv, of course, bourbon, maple, onion jam, grilled knockwurst, beef bacon, crispy fried onion, and drizzled with honey barbecue sauce. <laughs> yeah, it's a serious burger, to say the least. And normally, I really got to give a disclaimer here, because normally I am not a fan of including references to pop culture in um, in what goes on here at JM and the AM. I, I think it's usually beneath us. But because the Kosher Halftime Show is an alternative for what the NFL is doing, and because one of these entries was so clever in regard to the approach to the name of the burger, we actually went with a pop culture reference as the uh, winning name for the burger for tomorrow night. You can go to court when you're at Courtside Grill tomorrow night. If you're joining us for the R.E.A. Kunstler Kosher Halftime Show with the Evan Al Orchestra, you can actually order it, uh, this burger there tomorrow evening. And the uh, winner, uh, is a, um, uh, the winner of the contest is, um, the, the following name. The burger will be known as the Lady Went Gaga Burger. The Lady Went Gaga Burger. Um, with a lot of different uh, explanations, if you think about it, when you have a, a burger that has all those uh, varied ingredients and so many of them. The Lady Went Gaga Burger, it's available tomorrow night at the Courtside Grill, Cedarhurst, New York, as part of our Kosher Halftime Show. Congratulations to Lisa Klein-Fuchs. Lisa Klein-Fuchs submitted that entry, and of all the entries, that is the winning one. Congratulations from all of us here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Erev Shabbos uh, Va'era, Erev Rosh Chodesh Shvat, candlelighting in these parts at 447, and here's Mordechai Shapiro at JM and the AM. Hold it, 
Minucha v'simchar la Yehudim Yom Shabbason Yom Achmadim Shom Rav Zachrav Hema Meidim Kihi l'shisha kobruim v'omdim Shem me'shamayim Eretz v'yamim
a.m. in the a.m. Friday morning broadcast. I thank you all for tuning in. Uh, weekly update just a minute or two away. Erev Rosh Chodesh Shvat, Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayera. That's right, it's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, everybody, with candle lighting in this area at 447. 41 degrees, mostly cloudy, a high 45. Looks like pretty good weather over the weekend. Um, Want to wish a mazel tov to all the honorees, but in particular, our amazing friend Joey Bodner. Uh, Sunday night, the Ben Zakai Honor Society for the NCSY National Leadership Dinner. Um, it's the 22nd Annual Society Dinner, and this coming Sunday night, Many, many distinguished honorees, including Joey Bodner. Mazel tov to Joey and Ruthie and to uh, the entire family from all of us here at JM in the AM. And to all the honorees who will be recognized at Lincoln Square Synagogue Sunday night uh, for that ema- amazing event. Uh, so we say mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh want to remind you that um, I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible Nahum Siegel Network to all of their hundreds of thousands of readers. We're going to print out a whole bunch of great material before Shabbos. Thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world. Check it out. Also, OnlySimchas.com. OnlySimchas.com that for one at one time was known for Smachot, and that's about it. Uh, now known for an incredible news feed in addition to their Simchas that uh, highlights some great uh, news from around the Jewish world. And they are continuously using our content, and I thank them. Check out OnlySimchas.com and enjoy. Um, and a reminder, Kosher Halftime Show being recorded tomorrow night. R.A. Kunstler, Evan Al Orchestra, Courtside Grill out in Cedarhurst. Uh, that'll be presented uh, and made available to the public on Super Bowl Sunday uh, next week. And uh, we are looking forward to that big uh, celebration tomorrow night. And Mazel Tov to uh, Lisa Klein-Fuchs. She is the winner of the Name That Burger Contest, our second annual <laughs> Name That Burger Contest. Mazal tov to her from all of us here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us Fridays uh, here at JM in the AM with a weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you again. We should mention that, uh, as is the case practically every Friday, every February, uh, Malcolm's going to be doing a tremendous amount of traveling over the next couple of weeks. So week by week, we will update everybody in terms of the weekly update schedule and when and where it will be taking place. So make sure to be tuned in here on a regular basis at JM in the AM. Malcolm, today is International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Someone pointed out to me yesterday, and you, you always talk about the importance of uh, of words, of symbolism, etc. Someone pointed out to me that um, it is now illegal in Poland to refer to a concentration camp as a Polish concentration camp. And the only legal way to publicly state it is a Nazi concentration camp. And this, of course, for those who, uh, who, who feel it's important to highlight the culpability of the Polish people in, in World War II and of Nazi atrocities, uh, this is quite bothersome to them. What's your reaction when you hear about this, this, this symbolic change that has really become law in Poland? Yes, this has been a, a, an issue for many years, uh, where the Poles say that that well, these were not Polish; these were German camps. And I remember many times guides um, sort of obliterate the the Polish role. And anybody who has even visited the camps knows that the people in the environs worked there. Certainly knew what was going on there. That the that they, there was a 
lot of complicity, just as there were some, uh, there were righteous Gentiles who who tried to help. I think it's, you know, it's a misguided thing. And confronting history is the only way to to address the atrocities that took place and the role of uh, of people. And there are those in Poland and officials who have been very forthright and and willing to do so. But um, this this eventually it, it became a law. And and therefore, when people should not be surprised when they visit these sites and hear what what descriptions are offered and information is offered, uh, whether in official brochures and stuff or by guides, that uh, that this uh, the description is mandated. Uh, I, I did want to say that you know people we had a ruling in, in recently in a German court that an assault of a firebombing of the synagogue in 1914, in 2014, uh, was considered an anti-Israel act, not an anti-Semitic act. Right. By a court ruling, when three people of Palestinian origin, uh, right after Ramadan, when things are very excited, particularly excited, I should say, right. um, through, say in the middle of the night, threw firebombs into a synagogue. Right. And it was not ruled an anti-Semitic act, and that, of course, aroused uh, a reaction. But we see the dumbing down now of the standards. In both instances, it's it's uh, a mistake for the for the countries involved, for the people involved. I just saw that the um, the special committee that was set up in the year 2000 by the U.S. Holocaust Council to investigate and to catalog the death places. Uh, the places of uh, labor camps, the, the uh, concentration camps, of course, but uh, the, the military brothels, the other places that were established by uh, the Germans and Nazis in different countries. And they initially set out to uncover five places, 5,000 places. That was the estimate. A year later, by 2001, they had doubled that number. And then... Uh, a few years later, they said, "Well, there could be as many as twenty thousand people mm-hmm. between nineteen uh, places between 1933 and 1945." To date, this encyclopedia of the camps and ghettos has forty-two and a half thousand sites that where the Nazis persecuted and killed and did all the terrible things that they they did. And it's only the first two books of of what is a seven book. Series. So the number ultimately, when it's finished in 2025, the target date, and each site had to be uh, uh, identified by multiple witnesses. It wasn't just that somebody could say, "On well, this place," because you know much of the evidence has been eradicated. Unless they could find official documents and multiple witnesses, they did not make it into this count. So you can think of how many more places were actually. Um, uh, 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 used and, and places. So when they said they didn't know, when people claim innocence, as, uh, as sometimes in Poland they do, this belies it all. And yes. it tells the real story. And on this International Holocaust Day, it's a time people should remember and, and think about the lessons of this. And uh, excellent point. Uh, and obviously your point being that those are the only ones that are documented. It got, God knows what happened beyond that. But look at the numbers just on the documented ones. It's insane. Uh, also, this report this week, we spent a little bit of time on it with the um, with the uh, uh, Office of the uh, Ministry of the Diaspora from Israel. It's the annual anti-Semitism report that they released after analyzing a whole bunch of stuff. And in France, uh, anti-Semitic violence is down, while in other places, incidents in Europe, other areas of Europe, 
and the United States. It seems incidents are up. They attribute this to the crackdown of the government and police forces in France, which you could speak to that if you would. Is that, in fact, what's going on, that there's a, a concerted effort among French authorities to uh, uh, really quell the anti-Semitic attacks? There is an effort. Uh, you also have the deployment of, you know, half their military inside the cities. You have uh, police and army stationed at Jewish institutions. So that does diminish it. The, um, the But overall, I think that one would have to say that the number of incidents, and especially here, uh, as we document them more, uh, is certainly on the increase. There is no diminution overall, right. and both in the intensity of, of the incidents, the physical assaults, the verbal assaults, the what, what is going on in the campuses. It may be, be that it reaches a peak point, uh, as, it, as it may have happened in France. There's also the question of reporting. Do people report the incidents? Right. And in most cases, the answer is no, they don't. And by the way, we know in our own communities, people don't report when they are harassed or some incident takes place, especially somebody who has physical symbols, you know, wearing outward symbols, clothing others that identify them uh, as Jewish. And it's not only that. I was was made aware last week, and, and maybe I should have realized this, and you, in fact, may have mentioned this at times, but it didn't hit me, that that campus security... Uh, on campuses around the United States, essentially handle things internally. And and very often, apparently, very often on certain college campuses, they are encouraged, meaning the security forces, are encouraged not to get involved in certain types of episodes and incidents. And anti-Semitic ones are primary among them. We have multiple uh, cases, even in universities very here in New York area, where incidents were either not reported properly or were reported within the campus, but campuses don't want this information to get out because it dissuades Jewish students from coming. And they, of course, don't want to become identified as a racist or or anti-Semitic or bigoted uh, campus. But ask the students. That's the best uh, indicator. And we've had many cases where uh, where a student will have uh, appealed to a university official, others, and the response was very slow, and we try to follow up on all those cases. We, we provide lawyers. We do other things for, for students on campus, getting alumni, getting uh, faculty. But often the faculty are, are guilty of doing things in the classroom. Yeah. And, of course, no police, nobody goes in. It's academic freedom, certainly when it comes to being, quote, anti-Israel and and trying to draw a line between anti-Israel. And there is a distinction between criticism of Israel and or a particular policy and BDS and the other movements that we see on the campuses and in cities and in other places where it's a much more visible manifestation of of more blatant manifestation of anti-Semitism. But we should be clear, you can criticize Israel and not be an anti-Semite. Right. You can't deny the right of Israel to exist and the Jews to have the state and have the rights of everybody else. And on this International Holocaust Remembrance Day, the final frontier, I should say the most obvious uh, frontier now, is the Internet. It is unbelievable the number of, uh, of episodes that are and, and posts. I, I didn't even realize that there's an algorithm that actually keeps track of key, certain key words and certain key phrases that would be used uh, to express anti-Semitic feelings. The Internet and social media, I'm sure you agree, is one of those... Uh, areas, one of those frontiers where we don't know what to do. It's like the Wild West out there, and uh, and the level of anti-Semitic activity on the web is, uh, at this point, uh, beyond any control. 
cyber warfare generally is the new frontier, and as you know, Israel is doing an amazing amount of uh, of work to to counter it. And there are firms, there are hundreds and hundreds of firms in Israel. They're cutting edge in the world on on fighting cyber war generally, and uh, whether it's hacking or the use of of the internet to spread hateful messages. There are tens of thousands of anti-Semitic, you know, websites because as soon as you close one or a hundred or a thousand, another hundred or a thousand will will appear because, you know, it doesn't take much to start them. And keeping track of all of them at one time is not easy, but it is being done and there there is a concerted effort to try and address uh, web hatred and, and the simplicity with which the messages can be communicated not only within a country, but internationally, and it's not like you have a, a printing press where you publish anti-Semitic uh, literature. It's it's uh, you know just somebody gets on a on the cell, their iPhone or cell phone and, and starts tweeting out hateful messages. Yeah. So yes, this is a new frontier of hate. Do you ever think? And we'll move on. I know there's so much news to get to, but we got into this because it's Holocaust Remembrance Day. Do you sometimes think? Because you're a student of history and one who really yes, I do. <laughs> you're, you're a student of history and one who really appreciates, uh, you know, looking back and learning lessons going forward. Could you imagine if this type of system was in fact in place in the 1930s and 40s, where you know at the touch of a button something like uh, you know something could go viral, and where uh, and where um, uh, laws and regulations uh, could be enforced with much greater ease than they were able to in the early part of the 20th century. It is, it, just to consider it is very scary. I, I do think about it, and uh, you saw that it took Hitler months to spread the big lie. Today, it takes seconds. It, it literally, you can reach a much larger audience, and you can spread the, uh, the most extreme expression. It doesn't take a propaganda machine to do it as it did then. And the real tragedy is that the big lie still works when it comes to Jews, when it comes to attacking Jews, Jewish interests, Israel. It's really regrettable, but you're absolutely right. One can only imagine what today a really good demagogue can do utilizing these new resources. Unbelievable. All right, America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world in the web at NahumSiegel.com, the NahumSiegel Network, and of course in our beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honeline's with us. As I mentioned, pay careful attention over the next few weeks. Malcolm is going to be doing his usual uh, lot of traveling in February, and we are going to try very hard to schedule the weekly update for each of the Fridays. But um, uh, just pay careful attention. We'll obviously update you in terms of our actual schedule as we uh, move along. All right, uh, so settlement building has begun, and I, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I laugh as I say that because, as we know, you know there have been times, uh, even when Donald Trump was not president of the United States, when, when settlements had been built and expanded in Israel. Uh, tell me about the timing of uh, Netanyahu's announcement uh, within, obviously, hours, one can say, of uh, last Friday's inauguration and uh, is this the trend? Are we going to see many more announcements because of the comfort level he has with the new White House? Well, it's not settlements. It's housing that's being built. Is it not? Right. And, and one of the things that the media keeps doing is making it sound as if a new settlement is being put up. Most of this is within the blocks and the existing uh, territorial confinements of those blocks. Good point, right? Second, second much of this is previously announced 
construction that uh, w- was uh, was announced. Obviously, they do feel that uh, uh, the new administration will be more tolerant and and uh, of. Uh, any of these kinds of things, not can subject them to, to immediate condemnation, uh, as was uh, the case. But I think that there, you know, there are limits in that there will be eventually some understanding between the prime minister and the uh, and the president between the two administrations about how to address it. Don't forget, you don't have a secretary of state, you don't have other people looking at these issues yet. Um, so I, I don't think people should draw too many conclusions. Obviously. The president has spoken out very forcefully, and um, uh, we see the discussion on on other issues. The fact that you have uh, somewhat of uh, the the discussion on the Jerusalem embassy and the announcement that this is only the first stage and they're only looking at it, which was, I think, to be expected. Uh, but the moving of the embassy, which is a matter of principle, it's not a it's not a gift. It's just correcting a historical wrong. Done against the the state of Israel and doesn't take it's no territorial implication and that's what I think I said last week that right. then we have to do it we should not be intimidated from doing it but it should be done just you know smart and meaning that there could be announcements that the you know the the, the um, that the status of the holy sites will not be affected King Abdullah is scheduled to come I think this this coming week Monday or so to to Washington. And he obviously is very concerning as is, you know, what, 60, 70 percent Palestinian population. We know that how quickly they can be roused. And he is the protector of the Harabayat, of the Temple Mount, uh, the status granted to him after the 67 war and, and is sustained since then. So, again, I think there are things that could be done, but but people should should put it in the right context that this is not asking for a special favor or, or or changing anything. There's a U.S. law. It was enacted in 95, and we're seeing its implementation. Uh, would you agree that he'll follow Prime Minister Netanyahu's lead on this issue? If the Prime Minister encourages it, he'll tend more to encourage it. If the Prime Minister discourage, discourages it, the President will likely do that. I think that the, the discussion with the Prime Minister will be very critical on this issue. The Prime Minister has is clearly reflected in the discussion of their recent conversation earlier this week uh, that there are also other priorities for him and some that are of very critical security considerations like uh, what's going on in Syria, the buildup of Hezbollah, like Iran in, in so many ways, uh, um, what's happening with the PA, um, what's going on in Gaza with Hamas and the buildup of ISIS there and the confrontation between them. There are a lot of issues on the prime minister's uh, agenda. Uh, obviously, Jerusalem is central, and it's something that he or everybody feels very strongly about the recognition. Uh, so I think he would also argue that, uh, I mean, to me, the best way would have been if one day everybody would have woken up and there was a sign on the yeah. consulate saying yeah. office also of the ambassador of uh, the United States to Israel. Right. And people would have seen that, that we're not, you know, moving Jerusalem. We're not changing the boundaries. We're not putting up a wall. There's nothing else is, is changing by virtue of this. It's just the natural state of affairs. And, and hopefully we can line up other countries. And I think the message the administration gives to certain parties saying to them, listen, this is the way it's going to be. We're going to recognize it. We hope you'll come along. But at the very least, to, to the others who are going to instigate problems or anticipate it, 
that they will be held to account for if they uh, stoke violence or violent reactions to it. Yeah, no question about that. Um, tell me about this $211 million payment that President Obama uh, supposedly authorized to the PA before leaving office last Friday. Well, there was $227 million. $221 million of that was to, we went to the Palestinian Authority. There had been a hold uh, placed by Congressman Royce, the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee in the House, and by Senator Granger from Texas, um, because of the amount of money that the PA is spending on incitement, on paying the, the, the um, pensions to terrorists who kill Jews, Israelis, to uh, to and to their family to the families of those who engage in those activities, uh, you know that the the guy who did who rammed in and into those four uh, young soldiers uh, within a week, his wife was getting seven hundred sixty dollars a month of pension for life and uh, all sorts of other benefits. And there's a, over three hundred million dollars in their budget annually for this, and so members of Congress are finally saying, you know, it's enough, and they asked it to be a hold. It's not that this was everything. They got the Palestinian Authority got two hundred fifty million dollars from us for, uh, through other accounts and uh, previous payments, and then the president, uh, President Obama, literally as they were walking out the door, you know, I guess the lights are already off. He he made the, he released this money. What is interesting is that the State Department didn't pass it on; they held it. And so that money has not been given to the Palestinian Authority, and now the new the administration will have a, a say about doing it. The problem is that the optics were terrible to do this, you know, in, in such a, a sneaky way. And Secretary Kerry notified Congress, but as he was leaving, and and uh, Congress didn't even have a chance to react to it. Uh, now that money will be reviewed, and and it should be leveraged. To, to get an end to these very blatant violations by the Palestinian Authority that continue to stoke and in, uh, violence and encourages people to engage in it because of the financial rewards. Um, so symbolically, uh, President Obama was obviously trying to make a point. I mean, more than just symbolically, but you get well, the reason I say symbolically yeah. is because you were probably sitting there Thursday and Friday as we were speaking, because when we spoke last Friday, it was hours before uh, President Obama's official end of his uh, term. Uh, you were probably sitting there wondering, is there something even more serious than a payment to the PA that's going to be coming in the next few hours? Am I right that that was a concern of well, yours? Well, we were always concerned what would be done in the last uh, uh, days. And I, I don't know if we know everything. Like on the Iran deal, we don't know all the secret codicils. We find out more and more and more will come out. The president signed an awful lot of uh, decrees, um, so we'll have to find out. You know, and I'm sure the Trump administration is is reviewing all of them and trying to study them. Uh, we'll find out if anything else was done. But this was a, a, a the way it was done. It's not just the, the, what he did, but the way it was done. This was money that was allocated, right. and um, and it it just uh, the appearance and the the message of it is is really terrible. Uh, but I, my point is, at noon last Friday. Yeah, of course. You, we you we, were at, we you, did not know, and, and we no. still don't. I'm saying we still may not know all the things that were done. Oh, so it's, it's a noon last Friday. I, I would suggest that you you know took a sigh of relief that there wasn't anything more serious, but you're saying we subsequent to that could find out that, in fact, something more serious did occur. Well, I don't know if more serious, but, but, but we don't know all of the acts that were signed, what right. other um, measures may have been taken. 
So we have to wait and see. It's just it is unusual for for presidents on the way out to to engage in those kind of activities. It, it, pardons are usually done, and it's very regrettable that he did not include Pollard or Rubashkin in those uh, pardons when he gave so many to people who could pose dangers to society ultimately, and uh, not to consider their cases. Uh, and I mentioned uh, either last week or the week before, maybe the new president would make that one of his first actions, but it doesn't look like the, he's heading in that direction, right? Uh, presidents don't do that as a first act. You know, people, it, it, I'm sure it'll be discussed, but it has to be done at the right time because, you know, first they got to find their feet. they got to cabinet it is in place. But he, but he it's not a kind but, of thing you do right but away. But he doesn't seem to care what anybody thinks. <laughs> no, no, it's not because of what people think. It's because he's just... I'm sure overwhelmed by all the immediate things that have to be done and right. considerations. You know the appointments they got. They fill four thousand jobs. It's, right. it's, uh, by the way, many of the deputies have not been appointed. These are very key positions. By the way, I got to ask you because I, occasionally I, I turn to you for your general acumen when it comes to political science. Someone wrote this week. I think it was a Wall Street Journal piece. Someone wrote this week that in fact President Trump is um, not really that concerned about the voter fraud situation and how many people were at the inauguration. But if he continues to, to harp on those two issues, then he'll be, able to allow the, the, he'll be able to allow the media to concentrate on those things while he goes ahead and does other things that they're not concentrating on. You think there's anything to that theory? Very clever. I never heard it before. I think it's, uh, I think it's brilliant. It's really by the way, smart. by the way, if, it, if it's true that his reputation of knowing how to manipulate the media is off the charts, <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, we don't believe in conspiracies, but boy, that would be a good one. Um, uh, it's a very yes, that's a very intriguing idea. Yeah, I'm telling you. When I heard it, I said, "My God, he may be even smarter than we think, especially vis-a-vis." The media. All right. Um, the, the trip. It sounds every time the White House uh, references him, meaning Netanyahu, it sounds like he's coming earlier than March. Like his trip is weeks away. Like sometime in February. Yeah, it could be a Super Bowl time period uh, because he does have a trip to Australia scheduled for mid-February, which means that if he doesn't do it then, he would, could come in March when the APEC annual conference will be held. Also, so will be killing two birds with one stone. I think he wanted to come earlier because of certainly the message it sends. It's the same reason why other leaders, why Miss May is coming, uh, Prime Minister of Britain, why King Abdullah is coming, why many others are, are trying to come. Uh, President Mexico was scheduled, but that's been canceled. Um, that the that you know you send the message to other leaders and that that you're in and that you have a, a relationship. So that's why I think they would like to do it as soon as possible. Is the relationship between between President Trump and uh, Prime Minister May critical when it comes to his desire to really have a comprehensive plan to get ISIS? Is, is Great Britain going to play a big role in that? I, I wouldn't say that they play a big role. They play a role. They are part of the coalition forces. And But I, I think that there's a message to Europe. There's a message that he wants to build a relationship with uh, Britain, I think, Along the Reagan Thatcher lines, I think that he, you know, that, that, that so there are other messages that come with it. And as a supporter of Brexit, he would want to be supportive of uh, of the Brits and of the Prime Minister who who did support Brexit. And um, campaign Trump versus President Trump when it comes to ISIS, uh, you and I had discussed uh, countless times when he was debating his opponents in the, in the Republican primary, and then of course when he was debating. Uh, 
Mrs. Clinton, we had pointed out that it sounded like there was no real plan uh, to defeat ISIS. And now, of course, he's talking about a comprehensive plan um, uh, to, to take real action. A any difference uh, in what he's uh, espousing now compared to then? Is there anything in place uh, that looks like a plan coming from the White House? Well, remember, it's, just, it's still his first week in office, and, right. uh, you know, they have to see, because it's a very fluid situation there, and there were talks that were supposed to be going on. I don't think they're going to go anywhere, but uh, I, I think that uh, in the principle, I don't see any change of what he pronounces and, and the policies that he has enunciated. Um, implementation is always more difficult, you know, when you when you actually have to deal with boots on the ground, when you have to deal with... Uh, realities, and it's not just true regarding Syria or the international scene. It's true regarding everything. When you have to face all, all the consequences and think about things that you didn't necessarily consider before, but I think that the, there is a consistency from what I can see in in what he's been what he's doing and saying now to what he said before. Yeah, his executive orders have included you know things related to Obamacare, uh, the environment, uh, immigration law, the wall as we know, but I don't think he has uh, signed anything regarding repealing any part of the Iran deal to this point, correct? Right, and I don't know that repeal is the direction to go. I think we have a lot of other things. We have the um, Rubio introducing the renewal of the Non-Nuclear Sanctions Act. Right. We have the meaning more sanctions, but for their other violations, which are growing every day, I think that they, there are opportunities to to increase the banking uh, sanctions, which I believe in strongly, because I think it affects everything else. And we see trade delegations from France, and they said yesterday that Germany was company was interested in a $12 billion investment. A lot of those are just announcements and not stuff that comes to fruition. But, um, you know, there is a, a, a lot of activity going on. But the Iranian economy essentially is in a very poor shape, the and, and, and by every measure and internally the unemployment et cetera. So the sanctions and increasing the sanctions will will have a very serious effect for those who are dismissive of the of it and uh, repeal or just trying to to um, uh, tear up the agreement may not be the best way to go right now. There are a lot of other steps that can be taken in the interim and then see over time how we either reshape it, renegotiate it, or you know ignore it. You mentioned King Abdullah's visit. Does Abbas make any attempt to uh, visit Washington or have some type of conversation with President Trump? I don't. I don't think so. I, I, nothing that I know of till now. But I'm not sure that uh, he will. He wants to face the message that uh, President Trump will would give him, uh, and maybe finally force him to come to terms with reality and either start negotiating or step out or you know after he's ready in this what now 12th year of a four-year term or 11th year of a four-year term i think we've been and, saying 13 though maybe i'm wrong <laughs> i can't keep well, track time flies so maybe but certainly <laughs> but but you know i think he he's getting sobering messages and and maybe he'll start reading it right and and uh react in the right way or pay the price is there a an official israeli policy regarding syrian refugees israel has done such amazing things and i went personally to visit up in the golan in the middle of the night when and see israelis young israeli soldiers going in taking out syrians who are wounded especially children but also adults 
and I mean, literally every night, thousands have been treated for free in Israeli hospitals, the burden carried by the government of Israel, the organizations that are trying to help, among others that uh, have uh, provided some assistance in this. Um, but it is truly a remarkable story, hardly told. I saw one of the networks here finally did a story last week interviewing some of the Syrians saying, you know, we were taught to hate them, but we see that, that we were being lied to, that uh, that they can't disclose who they are, and if it gets out that they were treated in Israel when they get back, they could be killed. So um, the um, Israel's policy is to, to to engage in humanitarian assistance. They can't allow the border to be open and have a massive influx of people. They they are talking about taking a hundred orphan children and giving them respite and care. And then, uh, you know, certainly the interim until the situation there settles down. Wow. Uh, we mentioned earlier the payment, of course, and the possibility of uh, the new president freezing it, meaning the payment to the PA. Sp- spoke about executive orders. Um, the Trump administration, according to the Max Fisher article, is preparing executive orders that would clear the way to drastically reduce the U.S. role in the U.N. and other international organizations, as well as begin a process to review and potentially abrogate certain forms of multilateral treaties. How serious an action do you think they'll take? I mean, obviously he made it known over the last few months what his feelings are toward the United Nations. But, I mean, is he talking about, you know, symbolic funding or we're talking about a real pushback or pullback of a U.S. role financially in the United Nations? Well, I think that that's exactly what what we're looking at from what we know now. Again, it's early, but they're talking about a 40 percent, I think, cut in are, are dues to all international organizations. He's talking about cutting off any agency, international body, that uh, accepts or grants full membership to the PA, because, again, it's a violation of, of American law adopted by Congress. That's why we cut off the money to UNESCO. It wasn't the administration. It was Congress that passed the law, but the, the administration acted on it, uh, and we are not... Uh, we don't pay any dues to, to UNESCO, but he's talking about uh, a much broader uh, move. He's also saying that we would um, punish companies or uh, that do business with countries that that uh, circumvent this Iran sanctions. Uh, so it's a very broad. Uh, there's broad coverage, and it could have multiple uh, manifestations in different ways, both economic and political, etc. Uh, but it seems to be serious, and you know they will they will listen because they're dependent on the America's dues. And I thought nobody said anything about pulling out of the UN, and nobody, as far as I know, and and people, and I don't think are looking at that as a viable option. But to use the leverage we have to say that they, these agencies, for once, will be held to account. They've been getting away with murder for decades. Unbelievable. Hit them in the pocketbook, huh? The only way to really make an impact. That certainly gets their attention. Uh, finally, this terrible, terrible bus accident in Israel uh, that killed two uh, near Malelavona. I'm assuming that it, it was not at all a terrorist attack. It had nothing to do with terrorism. It was simply a bus accident, correct? As far as uh, we know in the reports that I've seen until the middle of last night, there, there was no accusation of uh, terrorism. We've seen vehicular terrorism, yeah. unfortunately, and even even this past week, another incident where there was an attempted ramming that, thank God, did not hurt anybody, but not in this case. 
Hashem for that, I guess. But of course, what I said, a terrible episode uh, that affected um, uh, Israel uh, yesterday. Um, uh, next week, where, where are you allowed to reveal your destination this year? I mean, you know, some years you go on these missions, you're allowed to tell us where you are. Sometimes you're not. Are these one of these? Is this one of these destinations that we're allowed to know about, Mr. Homelock? Well, next weekend I'm going to be speaking at the Limud Conference in London ah. and at the Board of Deputies in London and other venues there, meetings there. Uh, but there's this international gathering of all the from across Europe, and uh, so I'll be speaking there. Then to Israel, then to Morocco, hmm. then back to Israel, and other points uh, around. So we'll keep you updated as uh, as it moves along. God willing, we'll have the opportunity to talk, but not always in my hands when uh, oh, we're moving I, around. Yeah, that I get. All right, well, two things. Uh, let them know in London that you need the noon hour free. If I'm, oh, no, I'm not calculating correctly. Yeah, I, yeah I, think it's, I think it's the noon hour. <laughs> no, one, it's five hours oh, different. Oh, it's a one o'clock hour, whatever. Sometime, totally, sometime yeah. around then. And obviously, uh, next, a week from Sunday, you'll have to watch the Kosher Halftime Show from London. In most cases, you'd be watching it here, but I guess you'll have to access it from your hotel in London. Yeah, as much as I would be watching it here, I'll be watching it there. <laughs> hey, wait a second! You're supposed to tell the world that you love watching the Kosher Halftime Show. Are you kidding me? No, the Halftime Show, of course, that I watch. I just don't watch everything in between. <laughs> All right, Malcolm, a good trip. Have a wonderful shop. As there he is, Malcolm Holdman is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. See, he has our attitude. The Kosher Halftime Show he looks forward to. The whole thing between Boston and Atlanta, that's irrelevant to him. What he cares about is R.E.A. Kunstler and seeing the Kosher Halftime Show after it's completely uh, uh, completely done. Anyway, uh, tomorrow night, everybody, Kosher Halftime Show will be recorded at the Courtside Grill. Central Avenue and Cedarhurst, come join us. Congratulations to Lisa Klein-Fuchs. She named the uh, uh, the brand-new burger by Chef Albert Bijou, the, uh, uh, the Lady Wengaga burger, which I thought was appropriate. We don't like to usually uh, insert pop references into our programming here. But in this case, it was just too good uh, to avoid because of who's doing the actual halftime show for the NFL. So congratulations to Lisa Klein-Fuchs. And, um, and tomorrow night, I told you about Next week, Abels and Hyman is going to help us give out a great barbecue, uh, our contest leading up to the Super Bowl. So make sure to be tuned in Monday. We'll give you the contest rules for that one. It's even easier than this week's contest. So we'll tell you about that next week. So make sure to be tuned in. Uh, and we'll lead up to the Super Bowl and the Kosher Halftime Show with all the wonderful sponsors, our friends at Shari Tzedek, our friends at Nefesh Benefesh, our friends at the Jewish Star, our friends at Great Kosher Restaurant Foodies, our friends at Gotta Get a Bagel in the Five Towns, our friends, obviously, at Courtside Grill. A lot of people who are pitching in to make this a very successful Kosher Halftime Show, and primary among them, of course, Arye Kunstler and the Evan Al Orchestra. Want to take this opportunity to wish a major Mazel Tov to the Ambrose and Brick families, this coming Sunday, uh, the wedding of Sari Ambrose and Dovi Brick. Mazal Tov to Riva and Gary and the entire family on the wonderful Lower East Side of Manhattan and the Brick family out in uh, West Hempstead, New York. Again, Sari and Dovi to be married this coming Sunday. Looking forward to the big celebration. And we say Mazal Tov to the Ambrose and Brick families from all of us here at JM. In the AM. And we should all make the Ambroses feel the way they make us feel when we have a Simcha. They are just uh, among the nicest people in the world. 
And we can't wait to celebrate with them this coming Sunday. This time each every Friday morning, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pashas Vo'era. Pashas Vo'era contains the first seven out of the ten plagues that Hashem brings upon the Egyptians. And it's very important for us to understand and remind ourselves that the purpose of these plagues are twofold in nature. Firstly, punitive. They are a punishment to Mitzrayim. The Egyptian people persecuted the Jewish people, and for this they deserve to be punished. Secondly, God could have taken them out with one plague. Why have ten plagues going on for almost a year? And the second reason is because they are educational. Educational for the Jewish people to realize, A, that there is a God, that he is involved in the affairs of man, that there is the element of chosenness of Israel, that the plagues affect the Egyptian people, and they don't affect the Jewish people at all. All this was the incredible build-up and prerequisite for Matan Torah, their receiving the Torah at Sinai. I'd like to focus this morning on an interesting concept which the Shalot HaKadosh notes, whereby the Torah tells us in the second Aliyah the genealogy of Moshe and Aaron. And in so doing, it tells us the names of Levi's three children. Note, says the Shalot, the tribe of Levi was not subjected to the servitude of Egypt. And therefore, what does Levi do? He calls his children by the names of Gershon, Kahas, and Mirari. Gershon, why? Because Gerimheim, Be'eretz Lolahem, to remember that they are strangers in a land not theirs. Kahas, because Shinehem Kehos, because the Jewish people are being persecuted, and Vayimaruru from the word Mar, because Vayimaruru, the third one, because Vayimaruru es Chayehem. And therefore, Levi is teaching us that a person has to do whatever he can, lehishtatef b'tzoras hatzibor, to literally join in the troubles 
of the community. Indeed, the Mishnah in the sixth Perik of Avos, in the sixth Mishnah, tells us that there are no less than 48 Kinyanim. 48 means by which a person can acquire Torah. And one of these, found in the upper 30s, is Nose Ba'ol Imchavero. Nose Ba'ol Imchavero is translated as sharing his fellow's yoke. And this, we see, is such an important factor. Allow me to demonstrate. Clearly, you and I would imagine that this is a means of behavior man-to-man, and that is correct. However, Ravoldi Zatzal, in his Sefer, Ali Shur, in the second volume, points out something remarkable, that you find this concept of no se ba'ol im literally being there, empathizing, and more than that, participating in the pain of the next one, both individually and collectively, by none other than Hashem Himself. And so, listen carefully, that God speaks to Moshe last week at the burning bush. Why a bush? Why not from a more majestic uh, location? So, the Midrash says, because after all, the idea is that since the Jewish people are in a very low state, I will therefore respond and speak to you from this low state as well. God has lowered himself because the Jewish people are in pain. And let's go further. Why is it that Moshe is chosen to be the leader of the people? So we learned in last week's Parsha that Moshe goes out to his brethren. And what does that mean? He goes out to his brethren. So in the Medrash Rabbah, chapter 1, paragraph 27, Moshe goes out, sees their hard work, Bolcha, he cries, Omer, Chaval li aleichem, mi'itain musi aleichem, if only I could literally change places with you. It was to that extent that Moshe has demonstrated. And, listen carefully, continues the Midrash, in chapter 3, when Moshe is at the bush, and Vayar Hashem Kisor Leros, God saw that Moshe took the time to look at ostensibly, literally, the bush, and therefore God 
communicates to him at the bush, the medrash on this takes it very differently. What does it mean? Kisar Leros, that Moshe turned to see. Not that he turned to see the bush now, but that he turned to see his brethren, his brothers in Egypt. And, says the Medrash, Omar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Sor V'zo'av Hu Zeh Liros Pitzaron Shel Yisrael, since he turned to see the pain of the Jewish people in Egypt, L'fichach, therefore, Ra'oi Hu Lios Ro'eh Alehem. Therefore, he's fitting to be the leader for them. Let's continue this idea. The Torah tells us at the end of Parshas Mishpatim, and I suggest that you should bring to the Chumash to the table, because this is chapter 24, verse 10 in Mishpatim, and it's not an easy verse, as you'll see. The Torah tells us that at Sinai, Vayiru es Elokei Yisrael, the elders saw literally the God of Israel. And what does God allow them to see? The Sachas Raglov under his feet, Kavayochol, is Kemaasei Livnas Hasapir, was the likeness of a sapphire brickwork. And it was like the essence of the heaven in purity. And what does Rashi teach on this spot? That this Livnas Hasapir, this likeness of a sapphire brick, says Rashi, he Bishas This was with God throughout the time that the Jewish people were persecuted. Yisrael, that God should see Kavayochol, this brick, constantly and be reminded of their suffering. because they were involved in the bricks. And the second half of the verse and and they listen carefully. The essence of the heaven impurity. What does this refer to? Mishanigalu, my goodness. Once the Jewish people were freed from Egypt, or there was light and chedva and joy lefanov. God clearly empathizes with the Jewish people, and so much so notes Ravolbi that the famous Gemara in Sanhedrin 45, where even unfortunately when a Russia is killed, what does God say? Kalani Meroshi, I have a headache. Kalani Mizroi, I'm in pain. That even though it's a bad person, if someone suffers, a Jew suffers, God is in pain. And if this is so regarding an individual, the Gemara in Brachos 3a teaches us that when Rabbi Yossi went into the ruin to pray, and Eliyoha Navi asked him afterwards, what did you hear? And he says, my goodness, I heard a voice crowing like a dove. And God was saying, oily, woe unto me said God, that I have unfortunately exiled my people, and that I have destroyed my temple, and I have exiled them among the nations of the world, said Elio to Rebiosi, Chayecho, 
by your life. It wasn't a one-time occurrence that you heard this. B'chol yom v'yom. Three times every day, God has this cry. God is so tied up and empathizes with the state of the Jewish people. Let's go back to Moshe. How does Moshe show his nosei ba'ol in chavero? And the answer is, God says to him, the Medrash says in Shmosh Rabbah 127, You've left your business, Moshe. The halachto, and you went, to see the pain of Israel, and and you conducted yourself to them like a brother. Therefore said God, Ani, I, I will leave the upper and lowers, and Adaber Imcha, and I will speak to you. The greatness of Moshe is he puts his own needs secondary. He does something which is so important. He detaches himself from himself. Too often we are not there for the next one because we're too involved in ourselves. We have to learn from Moshe Rabbeinu. You left your own in order to be there for the next one. And Rashi says, what does it mean he went and he saw his brethren? So Rashi uses the term that nosan eno velibo. You've got to go see for yourself. You hear that someone's in the hospital, go to visit. When you go to visit, you're going to daven for him differently. When you hear that somebody unfortunately is out of work, go and speak to them and try to ask them how you can help them. Try to see them in that state. And I'm going to end with a story that again Ravobi quotes regarding Reb Avram Grudzinski. Now this is something which ideally we should all be at. It's way above most of us, but I want you to realize what we have to shoot towards the stars. This great rabbi was once visiting his family in Warsaw, and then all of a sudden he looked at his watch, and he started to sing. And after a few moments, he started to dance. And he danced rather intensely. And when he stopped, they asked him, what's going on here? He said, my goodness, at this moment, a student of mine is getting married in Slabotka. And unfortunately, I couldn't be there. But if I couldn't be there, I can do the next best thing. And that is to literally dance at, quote, during the time his wedding is going on. This is something, that's the ideal, but the point is so powerful. We learn from this week's parsha. We learn from how Levi called his children. We learn what's the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. And we learn that we have to aspire towards letting go of some of our intense concern only about ourselves and being there to be no say but all in Chavero to help the next one. Shabbat Shalom to all.
JM in the AM. Oh, uh, we're getting closer and closer to the Kosher Halftime Show. Recording it tomorrow night at Courtside Grill. Uh, yeah, I think of, uh, when I think of Lenny Solomon, I think of the Kosher Halftime Show. He was the very first, Schlock Rock was the very first Kosher Halftime Show back in 2014. Yeah. Uh, the fourth annual Kosher Halftime Show recorded tomorrow night with R.E.A. Kunstler and the Evan, Evan Al Orchestra. Uh, that's happening um, tomorrow night, Courtside Grill in Cedarhurst. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vaera, Erev Rosh Chodesh Shvat, candle lighting at 447. Mazel Tov going out to Joey Bodner. Our wonderful friend Joey Bodner is among the honorees at the uh, Ben Zakai Honor Society NCSY National Scholarship Dinner happening on Sunday night. Um, Lincoln Square Synagogue in New York. Many distinguished honorees. Mazal Tov to Joey and all of his colleagues. He has been involved in NCSY for four decades, and he has been instrumental in so many great organizations, including ours. Yeah. So we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at uh, JM and the AM. Mazal Tov going out to the Ambrose and Brick families. Sari Ambrose and Dobie Brick getting married on Sunday to Reva and Gary and the extended Ambrose family uh, on the Lower East Side of Manhattan and beyond. And the Brick family in West Hempstead, a mazal tov from all of us here at JM and AM. Looking forward to celebrating Sunday. Um, the amazing and incredible Simcha, Sari, Ambrose, and Dovi Brick. Mazal tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Uh, you heard uh, Lenny Solomon. Before that, you heard the um, Israel Werdiger selection, L'Chadodi. Avrami tells me that both uh, the weekly update and the Torah portion are in our app already and on our site at NachumSiegel.com, the NSN app, and the site NachumSiegel.com, so you'll be able to access those. Erev Rosh Chodesh Shvat, Erev Shabbos Parshas Vaera, 447, candle lighting in this area, 447, candle lighting in the New York area. Congratulations to Lisa Klein-Fuchs. She named the burger, the Albert Bijou creation at Courtside Grill, special for the Kosher Halftime Show. Has now been named. Lisa Klein-Fuchs is the winner. The name of the burger, the Lady Went Gaga Burger. <laughs> I think it's very, I think it's a very good one. I want to thank all of our friends who are sponsoring our Kosher Halftime Show. Shari Tzedek Medical Center, Nefesh Benefesh, the Jewish Star, Great Kosher Restaurant, Foodies, Gotta Get a Bagel in the Five Towns, Courtside Grill. Next week, Abel's and Hyman plays a, a very powerful role as we count down to the Super Bowl. Uh, Abel's and Hyman will be giving out recipes. We'll be talking about their uh, incredible products as we get closer and closer to the Super Bowl on uh, Sunday. And that's when we'll make the Kosher Halftime Show available, of course. By the way, coming up next, Naomi Nachman with a supersized edition of her visit to Jerusalem's Machane Yehuda with tour guide Joel Haber. It's an encore presentation of Naomi Nachman and the um, and the program Table for Two. Then it's going to be uh, the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix. Live lunch with Mark Zamek at 12 noon Eastern time for an Erev Shabbos brought to you by Kedem. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami. Sunday, it's Matis with JM. Sunday, at 7 a.m. Eastern time. That is a live presentation. Sunday night, Elliot Weiselberg, a brand new edition of Court Report, all the Yeshiva League sports. On Sunday night, there is so much going on. It's unbelievable. So much happening. Oh, and Thursday, Thursday, Nisim Black. In our studio, 7.45 Thursday morning here at JM in the AM. Nisim Black, the Orthodox Jewish rapper, in our studio. 
Thursday, 745. We're going to try very hard to Facebook Live it. 745 right here at JM in the AM. Oh, there's so much going on here. It's absolutely unbelievable, that's for sure. Breslov Bar Band with a uh, a piece of their Lachad Dodi here at JM in the AM. Small piece of the Breslov Bar Band and Nila Chadodi here on a JM and Friday morning Erev Shabbos. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Ba'era, Erev Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh begins tonight. Don't forget Yalav Yavo tonight and all through Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM. Spend the day together with the Holy 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Oh, yes. Wraps up a great Friday and a wonderful week for us here at JM in the AM. Um, a supersized encore with Naomi Nachman in Israel coming up next. Table for two. Kedem's presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix plus Kedem's presentation of the Friday Live Lunch with Mark Zamek. All part of today's programming. So make sure to leave our network on all day long, no matter where you are. Office, vacation, uh, car, home, wherever you might be. Uh, tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel uh, with Avrami. Matis with JM Sunday, Sunday morning. And of course, we're back here. On Monday, have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Don't forget, tomorrow night, Courtside Grill, Central Avenue in uh, Cedarhurst for Aryeh Kunstler and the Evan Al Orchestra and the Kosher Halftime Show. Should be great, to say the least. Uh, until next time, Malcolm Single reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future. Yeah.